Oh, hello. Meet Optima Health, your friend for Medicaid coverage. Like any true friend, we can help make life a little easier with discounts on healthy food and gift cards for pregnancy and child checkups. We include vision and medical help 24-7. See more benefits at OptimaMedicaid.com slash hello. It's time to say hello to Optima Health, a health plan you can count on. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 57 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm here in Ireland with Sam Marks. Johnny, guys, gals, welcome back to Invest Like a Boss. Great week this week and another fantastic guest lined up, Mr. MJ DeMarco. Of Millionaire Fastlane. And now he has a new book also called Unscripted. So I first read Millionaire Fastlane years ago. Actually, I didn't read it. I listened to the audiobook version of it. Uh And I remember it was so hard for me to get through because I felt like he was just like drilling the same point over and over and over again. But then I realized I wish I would have listened to this when I was in high school or college or right after college, right when I first started making money. I needed somebody to yell at me and say, stop wasting money. Think big. Think fast lane. Stop thinking slow lane. Yeah, that the, the book encapsulates so much important information that is really important at any age. So I actually listened to the audiobook as well, but it was only like two years ago. So, but it still struck a really, really good chord to me. You know, the books are really kind of timing, right? When they, when you read them is how they impact you. And a book that you read when you're 22 might affect you a lot different than if you read it for the first time when you're 42. So a lot of times, uh, if you ask someone what their favorite book was or most impressionable book that they've ever read, it, it might not be necessarily the greatest book they ever read, but it was the most timely. And Millionaire Fastlane, I think, has really struck fire in the belly of so many people. And even when I read it two years ago when I was 30, and I was already well on my way to a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish professionally, it was still a tremendous book. Yeah, and actually, I think I read it when I started making money as well. And I was actually pretty good about not wasting money in my wannabe rapper the lifestyle type days when I was living mm-hmm. in LA. And I just remember kicking myself in the butt thinking, I wish I would have read this when I was living in Southern California and I was wasting money like I was living in the slow lane and not thinking about making more money and really being in the fast lane. So if you guys don't know who MJ DeMarco is, he was the uh, creator of limo.com or limos.com and he made multi-million dollars doing that. Uh, and then he is probably most well-known now for Millionaire Fastlane and just inspiring so many other people to think about creating businesses that you can really scale up. And I'm really excited to figure out what he's been doing since then. And because that's a, a best-selling book, but it's been a few years. So I'm very curious what he's been doing since then and what he's investing all his money in now. Yeah. One of the greatest things about Millionaire Fastlane is that when he wrote it, he didn't really care if people read it. He wanted, of course, make something that was useful and that people liked, but it wasn't a financial decision at that point. He already made more money than he needed to retire and was was very successful at that point. He even says it in the book that 
one of the great things with being in the fast lane and creating that type of wealth is I can write this book out of the pure joy of my heart, not because I, I'm dependent on people reading it so that I can survive off my royalties. So I love the book. Um, I'm very much looking forward to reading the new book. I actually just ordered on Amazon. And like you said, I'm really looking forward to seeing how MJ lives now, how he invests his money and how he continues to build wealth. Well, let's take a listen. Here's MJ DeMarco. Everybody, we're back. MJ, welcome to the show. Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. This is going to be great. So this is a, a super highly anticipated episode with a lot of our listeners. Your book, Millionaire Fastlane, has put fire in the belly of so many people out there. So just wanted to start by first saying thank you for writing it because we all know that you were very successful before writing the book. So I'm sure it wasn't a purely financial decision. But at what point did you decide that you were going to write a book and decide on the topic Millionaire Fastlane? Oh, well, I've always wanted to write a book on success, wealth, and you know independence. Um, I always felt I had the formula for creating wealth and you know being financially free, being financially independent, you know, young as opposed to old, you know, in your sixties or something. But my results did not match what I thought I knew. So what we see a lot of today is a lot of people write books on how to be a millionaire or how to be a multimillionaire. And yet they're not multimillionaires. So I definitely did not want to be one of those people who are writing books on how to get wealthy, and yet they're not wealthy. So I always knew I wanted to write the book, but it took me obviously some time before my results could back up what I was writing. Makes a lot of sense. And I read your book and I also listened to an audio. And when I was listening to an audio, I was thinking, this is the perfect voice for this book. I just loved it. And then and then when we got on the phone, I'm like, wow, it was actually MJ that did the audio for that book as well. Yeah, and that, you know, I'm very passionate about the subject. You know, some people take offense to my tone or, or my attitude in the book, but that's really me yelling at my younger self. That's what I always try to explain to people mm -hmm. is the book was written to me as a 20 year old and it's me yelling at my younger self, which is why it's sometimes comes across as a little tears to some people. I love that. And we know from your book that you moved out to Arizona and it was a great decision. And it seems like you're out there right now. I believe you're on Arizona time. Have you, yes. continued, have you continued to live out there full time? And can you give us an idea of your lifestyle? Have you always been location based or have you traveled for extended periods of time? Uh, I'm not one big on travel. I'm more of a, I want my life to be a vacation. I want my house to be a resort. Uh, so I don't need to, you know, have this urge to, you know, get on a plane and go somewhere exotic because my life already feels like that. Mm. So I've been out here for 20 years uh, and I still love it as much as I did from the first day I, I arrived here. However, I am looking for another uh, vacation home in uh, a colder destination, obviously, because the summer's here are just uh, becoming unbearable. And it is also starting to get a little bit crowded out here. I believe we just moved, Phoenix just moved to be the, I think it's the fifth largest city in the country. So, you know, being in the quote fast lane, yeah. you know, gives you a lot of options to say, you know what, I'm not going to spend the summer here anymore. I'm, you know, or I'm just going to move somewhere. You know, I was looking in Colorado Springs as a new location. So it gives you a lot of options to do what you, whatever you want to do. Yeah. You should check out, have you been out to Tahoe before? Yes, very beautiful. Yeah, we spent a uh, spent five weeks out there in February, and that's on the Nevada side, and that's a that's yeah, a that's a yeah. remarkable place. 
I mean, when you said Tahoe, I'm like, oh, expensive as hell. <laughs> it does get expensive, yeah. But uh, I was trying to figure out a way to make it work on the tax side if I set up a permanent residence on the Nevada side, which is tax-free state. But still sure. looking, but really, really just enjoyed the area. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So everyone is very familiar who's read your book with your Lamborghini encounter, which changed your life. And for anyone out there who hasn't read the book, MJ, I was just hoping you could give them a brief on that kind of aha moment in your life. Sure. I was, I was, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And at the time I was a, you know, a pudgy kid out of shape, not really motivated, whatnot. And, uh, I saw my dream car by going over to the ice cream store. It was parked out in front. It's a Lamborghini Countach. And at this time I had, um, the car on my, it was a poster on my wall. You know, the cannonball run was a big thing back then in the late seventies. So I was just like, holy, you know, just mesmerized by this thing. And I was shocked to see that the the owner of the car was young. I mean, young considering I was at the time, you know, 13, 14. So I actually went up to the guy and said, hey, you know, what do you do for a living? Which actually, once I started owning Lamborghinis, I found was the most common question. So I wasn't doing anything unusual. Uh, but he responded he was an entrepreneur. And specifically, was an inventor, and that really set me for a loop because I figured, okay, this is you know, this is somebody famous. This is going to be a, a baseball player or an actor. You know, those typical pigeonholed archetypes. You think you you know, in order to be rich, you have to be one of those people, and that's what set the stage for me to say, you know what, entrepreneurship is a path, uh, a, a path that is for common people who could. You know, really achieve some great things, and they don't need to, you know, be famous or uh, have some kind of particular talent. Uh, so that set me on the path to be an entrepreneur, and it set me on that path very young. You know, like I said, I was thirteen or fourteen. So it really ha- it planted the seed that uh, grew over time. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of people out there that they believe inside them that they they need structure, they need safety, they need some type of stability, and they're just not the entrepreneur type. And sometimes it seems like it takes that aha moment like you had to realize that you, you need to be an entrepreneur. You could be an entrepreneur. Do you think that there is a quote unquote fast lane out there for just about anybody? Or do you think some people really are born more for the slow lane? It's for anyone who wants it. Now, there are a lot of people out there that are perfectly happy with their job. Um, and they're perfectly happy getting up Monday through Friday and going through the, like you said, they like that structure. They like the illusion of security and it is an illusion. So I'm not here to convince everyone to be an entrepreneur because everyone can't be an entrepreneur. We need employees. Uh, we need people who are comfortable with it. I have, I have friends who are in quote the slow lane, but they're happy people. So who am I to say, you're doing it wrong or you need to be an entrepreneur. I'm not dictating somebody's happiness. I'm here to offer an alternative for those people who are saying, you know what, this just isn't working for me. I, there's got to be something else. I love that that perspective. appreciate you sharing that. And MJ, how old were you when you made your first million? It depends on what, liquid or... Uh, let's, let's say liquid. Uh, 32, 32 years old. Wow, that's great. And... Many more millions after that. And we last week we had on James Alcher, loved the guy, and it was so kind of him to come on and share some of the experience he had after he made a big windfall. 
And he kind of famously or notoriously, however you want it, or infamously <laughs> made $15 million and lost it in almost the summertime. And it was through a series of, of mistakes, and he was kind enough to come on and share those with you, with us. And we're wondering, you know, after you made your windfalls, were there, were there any mistakes that you made financially or through investment? Uh, yeah, uh, kind of over overstating the, or uh, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for, but mm-hmm. thinking that the sum of money was a lot of money. Uh, you know, I went out and bought a lot of stuff. Uh, I remember buying a red Corvette convertible, paying cash for it. Uh, and then the bigger mistake was I put most of the proceeds into tech stocks. And this was right before the dot-com bust. And I ended up losing, I would say, about half of it. Wow. That's almost, that's nearly the same story as uh, James Altcher. So it must have been events yeah. that happened very similar times. And, and, and you know, and that's what kind of put me on this, this, you know, this train of compound interest, uh, which it goes against a lot of, you know, maybe some of your call, some of your past guests. Mm-hmm. I, I believe compound interest is the greatest scam ever perpetrated on people. Right. And then in 2008, I know you predicted the housing bubble. Do you do you look for these type of things in markets or do you invest in a way that doesn't really, they don't hurt you as much? It's the old, you know, when dumb money gets wind of something, that's when you know it's it's you're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're everyone is talking about the money they're making on the housing market. And, you know, my cousin, he's a bus driver. He just made $10,000 flipping this house. I mean, that's when you know you're in a bubble type of situation. Mm-hmm. When you start, when it starts leaking to the mainstream and becoming a news event, that's when you want to start looking for the exits. Right. Well, what do you think about the markets right now? I think they're way over overblown. Um, I think they're pri- they've already priced in. Uh, the Trump, you know, Trump's talking about tax, uh, corporate ca- tax rates being cut. I think they've already priced that in. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of boomers who are retiring, who are going to start re- needing money to get out of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just don't think I, I, I've never believed the stock market is your best investment. I believe your business is the best investment. So I don't spend a lot of time, you know, mar- doing mar- market uh, pontifications. Because the market is not penned to my wealth. I like it. And MJ, I know you're a big fan of Lambos. It was obvious an aha moment early in your life that shaped your life with one. And we know that you've you've had and uh, and continue to love them. Do you continue to buy premium cars and, and own them? Actually, I sold my Lambo probably three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple incidents, I should say, like road rage incidents from other people. <laughs> Uh, you know, haters and stuff yeah. kind of kind of soured me on them. I had a windshield knocked out. I had oh, that's uh, horrible. I had stuff thrown at me. Uh, so you know the the kind of luster of that has kind of faded away for me. You know, it's been three years though, so I'm kind of getting the bug again. But <laughs> uh, you know, I've just been too busy to even think about it. So well, Arizona is a good place to to have them, right? Nice open Absolutely. roads and nice and dry. For the yes. most part, anyways. And a, a couple other investing questions I'm dying to know because you have so many good points in your book. And I'm wondering, do you own a home now? And did you ever own a home while you were in the fast lane, but maybe not yet a millionaire? Yeah, I have, I've always 
I've always owned my home. I haven't, I've never been a renter. Although I would say I haven't been, I, I usually have bad luck with real estate. Uh, I've owned a rent, <laughs> I've owned a rental house and uh, I, I, the house I'm living in now, I paid cash for, I have no mortgage. That, that to me is just, when you don't have a mortgage, it, it's just like, I can't explain it. It's just, because you know the house, your house is going to be your biggest expense in your lifetime, yeah. and it doesn't matter if you're renting or you, or you're buying. It's going to be your biggest expense. So if you can knock that expense out somehow, you get a lot of autonomy and freedom as far as where you can spend your money, where you can take risks, where you can invest. But generally, uh, I, I'm I, I've said quote fuck you to mortgages uh, for the rest of my life i don't plan on ever having one ever again nice yeah you, it's funny you mentioned about real estate and almost everyone in my generation has never made money in real estate because my generation maybe started buying their first home around the peak and then mm -hmm. and it, it's just never it's just never rebounded fully right so it's it's tough but if you have a you know if you're living in it like you are i think it it definitely makes sense and also in your book, you mentioned about becoming a lender and use the example of 5% tax-free earnings. I was wondering, is that municipal bonds that, that you're talking about in that example? Yeah, I have a investing philosophy that um, I kind of disclose in my next book, Unscripted. I call it the rent rule. And if you're lending out something to somebody, you should expect rent. So if you have a tenant in your house, you don't say to your tenant, Hey, uh, you know, you can live here for free, but when things start to go well for you, then you can start paying me rent. And of course, you can do this whenever you want to unconditionally. That, in effect, is what you're doing when you invest in a stock and you're just hoping for appreciation and a future dividend that the company will eventually maybe make mm -hmm. because it is it is in their control to say, yeah, we're going to pay you a dividend. We're going to lower it. So I don't like releasing or giving up my cash or my investment unless I'm getting rent. So that, yes, that's municipal bonds. I love municipal bonds, especially if you're in the, the top tax bracket because they're tax-free at the federal level. And uh, dividend stocks, anything anything that you're going to get rent on is what I typically invest in. I'm not one that's to put, you know, like Warren Buffett is to, you know, put millions into Apple and manipulate the market, control the board of directors, try to move things around and get that to appreciate. That's not me. Mm -hmm. I, I look at the market not as a wealth creator, but an income generator. And when you buy municipal uh, municipal bonds, you do that through some type of fund or do you actually buy the individual bonds? I, I actually like closed end funds um, because they trade at a discount or a premium. So you can tend to get a good deal on them if if some of them are in the discounted range, trading discount to nav. Okay, so we yeah we definitely have to do an episode on on those. We've never we've never really touched municipal bonds as an as a topic or an episode, but people, especially of higher wealth, seem to love them. So we definitely got to hit on that more. Sure, and, and another thing about that is usually typically municipals, municipal counties and states have to have balanced budgets, mm -hmm. so they're not printing money like uh, you know our government. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it was cool what you said about dividend paying stocks. Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank, so he started a an ETF called O'Shares, and his whole investing philosophy is very similar to yours. He won't buy a stock unless it has a very very sound track record of paying a dividend because he's like, you know, forty percent of 
or no, 70% of the gains in the market over the last 40 years have been through dividends and dividend appreciation. He's mm. like, I'm not buying a stock unless it's paying me a dividend that I can be you know, sure of. And I, I never really thought of that uh, in that, that way before, but it makes a lot of sense. And compounding on what you said, I, I, uh, I can definitely see the value in that approach. Yeah, I mean, and that's what—that's why I use a real estate example. Is you know, I paid money for this house. I want rent for it. I'm not going to rely on you to say, "Hey, I'm going to give you rent when I when I feel like it." Mm -hmm. And what other what other type of ways have you invested, MJ? You mentioned municipal bonds, dividend-paying stocks. You you own a property. Is there anything else that? makes up kind of your investment portfolio? Yeah, and this may throw some of your listeners off for a loop here. Uh, I actually sell options. Wow, okay. Yeah, and I've, I've actually outlined my investment philosophy on my forum. Uh, there's an insider forum, and it's about two years long, two, two three years long, and about 90, 90 pages long. And I detail how I do it. And I've, I make typically 1% to 10% per month doing that. And it follows a fast lane formula because when you sell options, yes, there's some risk. But uh, I outline how the risks aren't much, very much different than, than trading a, you know, a stock or going short on a stock. Mm -hmm. But as a seller of options, you take advantage of time decay and – the fast lane's all about leveraging time as your as your ally as opposed to your enemy. So if you have a job, time is your enemy because it needs your time in order to make money. Well, when you sell options, you put time in your corner because that is the only thing we can count on in the market and that is the time for time to pass. Mm -hmm. So it's if I had to if someone asked me what is the fast lane of finance, I would say it would be selling selling options, which makes you the house as opposed to the buyer who is the gambler going into the house looking for the big games. So it's it could be a little nerve-wracking, but it is also terribly consistent. Wow. So how much when did you get into option trading and how much time do you put into that each week? Oh not much, maybe 30 minutes a day. And you're yeah, making, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's incredible it's the returns. Yeah and it's uh it's a I look at it as a, it's an insurance company because I'm selling insurance. Mm -hmm. And you have people that are buying from you who are making gambles on various underlyings. And I, and I kind of go into, you know, which things you should be selling on and which things you shouldn't be. Like if I'm saying selling options, I hope no one's going to construe that as, you know, I'm selling biotech options, which is probably the worst thing you can do. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about um, hardline stuff like Caterpillar, uh, Costco, you know, things that aren't going to, you know, Costco is not going to triple in, triple in, uh, the stock price is not going to triple overnight. And what can people, or how can people find out more about this? Is this in the new book as well, or is it mostly in your forum or, or some, something else? No, th this is at the forum on the, uh, there's an insider subscription and I put that in there. It's about, like I said, it's, but it's about, 500 pages long of Jeez. details. It's like, it's and, like um, your third very, book. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't put it in the next book because it actually is another book. Um, but it's very detailed and very transparent. I, I, I list my my profits every month. And, you know, there's months I lose and I put that up there. I don't, you know, I don't say, uh, you know, I don't typically when people are talking about this type of stuff, they only post their winners and they shove their losers underneath the rug. 
I don't do that. You know, if I have a crappy month or something goes wrong, I post it. And that's because, you know, that's that's typically how the market is. Two steps forward, one step back. Well, I know you mentioned in your book that when you first sold your business, I think it was somewhere around 1.2 million and you realized very quickly that it wasn't enough and 1.2 goes fast. And I know there was a famous quote from one of the cash money rappers back in the day that said, a million dollars isn't, isn't cool. A billion dollars is cool. But yeah. yeah, I mean, is there is there a number in your head that you think is the minimum ideal net wealth that, you know, of course, that you, you might aspire to be, maybe you're there or maybe you're not, but I think everyone's got a number in their head of where they would like to get to at some point to really feel like they made it and mm-hmm. never really have to worry financially again. Is there a number for you? I believe it's like 10 million. Mm-hmm. 10, 10, 15 million, but that's going to be different for everyone. Uh, some people can look at 2 million and go, oh, that will do it, or a million even. I mean, a million, a passive income on a million dollars, you can usually get about 40, 50 grand a year on that. And if you own your, like I said before, if you own your house free and clear, if, I mean, if, if I showed you my bill paying count, you know, for my personal expenses, you know, electric bill, this, that, it comes out to about, $1,400 a month. Wow. You got to share that with us. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. There's not, there's not, I mean, I'm debt free. There's no credit cards. There's no car payments. There's no mortgage. I have tax payment on the house, electric, water bill, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the, the, the party credit card, which I pay, I pay in full every single month. Mm-hmm. And it comes out to, I don't know, $1,400, $1,500 a month. And I'm thinking to myself, that's what is that twenty four thousand dollars a year? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't. That, that's not a lot of money. And I, I mean, I don't live a scarcity suck fest, yeah. which is you know, which is the old happy poor. Oh, you can retire forty years year early, and yet your life sucks ass because you're 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 behind Trader Joe's looking for uh, meat that was thrown away to be tonight's dinner, and you live in a a fifty square foot house that has a you know a hole in the in the in the in the ground for a toilet. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, we want to be free. Mm -hmm. And by free, I'm not talking about you're free to, you know, just do what you want. You want to be able to go to a movie. You want to buy nice stuff. You want to, you know, you want to live rather well. It was so funny. I was just listening to you talk about that. And I felt like I was back in the audio book. (laughs) <laughs> like the voice and the and the, uh, and, and the passion was just right on. It was perfect. And how are the? You're living in Arizona. What's what's the state income tax out there? I believe it's the the top rate. I think is five percent. Okay, so not it's it's not California it, at least. <laughs> no, not California. And I and I avoid California. I used used to go there in the summer and. Uh, I, I feel like as soon as I walk in there, I got somebody in my pocket. You know, yeah. I want to go to the bathroom. Well, give us a nickel. Yeah. They, they. I used to have an LLC that was a member in, in California, and the state would not stop bothering me for money. Mm. And I don't even live in the state. It's just because I had my name registered over there in one of the um, as a member, and I was just like, "You got to be kidding me! These guys are crazy." I don't know how they survive over there um, because they're. Their producers have a target, have a bullseye on the back of their backs. Yeah, I don't know. I know a lot of them are building houses out in out in Incline Village. 
a lot bigger houses than they have in California. But it was amazing. I even felt it when I was in Tahoe because where I rented skis from, they were based in Nevada and they were showing all the prices based in Nevada. But as soon as they deliver the skis two feet over the California line, you get hit with this massive tax. I'm like, how did the, how did I spend $500 on skis for the month? They're like, oh, well, <laughs> if, if you had a delivery address in Nevada, it would have been uh, it would have been 20% cheaper or something. Yeah, like that. And, and these are considerations entrepreneurs have to make. I mean, there's there's a lot of business to be done in California. But also, you know, there's they want you they want your money. And you know, our our goal, at least my goal, is to be free. And there's no freedom when you're constantly being harassed by, you know, tax collectors. So MJ, kind of coming into a, a few things to summarize, you know, your experience in the episode a bit. You know, how do you, you, you've lived at so many different wealth levels. You know, we know your hustle story and we know kind of your road up. How do you relate wealth and the success level that you've achieved to happiness? Well, first of all, I believe money doesn't buy happiness is the greatest bullshit line uh, people people say. What they they say that because uh, they're looking to justify their state of I don't know lack of money, state of poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, money is important when you use it correctly, and the people who say that generally are using money incorrectly, and that's because. Instead of using it to buy their freedom, they're using it to consume. And any consumption activity usually generates more consumption activities. Hmm. So like if I go out and buy a speedboat, sure, that's going to be fun, but that's also going to carry with it more consumption. Uh, insurance, gas, repairs, fuel, boat slips, dock, you know, all these different things. So consumption creates more consumption. So that's why money doesn't create happiness because people are spending it the wrong way. In my next book, Unscripted, I talk about the keys to happiness. And they've actually studied it, that 50% of your happiness quotient, what makes you happy, comes from autonomy. And autonomy is freedom. Autonomy is being able to wake up and say, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to do nothing. Or I'm going to work 12 hours today. Or I'm just going to work six. Or I'm going to go to Belize next next week. That is autonomy. And, and that's half of your quotient, quotient happiness quotient. Mm-hmm. And the other, the other say, they say 10% is you're born with it. Well, we can manipulate 50% of our happiness then. And we do that by carefully stewarding money to create our freedom. So that's very important to consider. And that's why entrepreneurship is such a powerful career, because it gives us autonomy. And that's also why some jobs have some autonomy. And that's why a lot of people have jobs that they like, because they have a certain level of autonomy within within those as well. And going back to the millionaire fast lane, for anyone who hasn't read it, and it's very highly high on our our kind of mandatory reading list at Invest Like a Boss. Could you kind of sum up just fast lane versus slow lane in a nutshell, what it, what it means to you and what what people need to consider when they're thinking about this important choice of life? A lot of people work hard. And the problem is not that they're working hard. It's that they're working hard in the wrong system. So the Millionaire Fast Lane attempts to redirect that energy into something that can seriously make a difference in your life. And I'm not talking about after 50 years. I'm talking about perhaps after three or four or five years. I've seen transformation after transformation on my forum for people who are 
putting in a strong effort into the right system. So the fast lane is that right system, and that is to have a scalable business project that can actually scale and you know scale your income. The game of wealth is not one on defense. Defense is the slow lane. Defense is waiting for stock market miracles. Defense is I'm going to save and use coupons. I'm going to cancel the movie channels. I'm going to, you know, you can't pinch a dime from a nickel. So the game is one on offense and you do that with an explosive income. And and when you see, oh my God, I made $30,000 this month. I made $60,000. That's when you start to see, oh my God, there is no limit to what you can make if you are targeting your effort into the right system. And again, so when you're in a job, you can be working hard as you want, hard as all you want, but that system keeps you contained. You know, your boss is never going to say, man, you, you really knocked it out the park this month. Here's an extra 30 grand. That's never going to happen. So the fast lane, slow lane, and then the other one, the sidewalk, kind of isolates all these different roads that people take and tries to put the put, put you on the right lane so your effort is leveraged and maximized appropriately. I feel like for so many people, it just becomes mindset. It just becomes knowing how big things can scale, especially enabled by technology and the internet. I know yeah. going back, you know, I can remember when I got started online, and I was making like $60 a day and I had a mentor and he was telling me, you know, you are, you are so small time. You are so small minded. There are people literally doing exactly what you're doing and they're doing 5,000 times the scale of you each and every single day. And I couldn't mm -hmm. understand that. But as soon as, as soon as I was able to see the scale firsthand, it completely opened my mind and changed how I felt about, about life and about entrepreneurship. Was there a moment when you started getting into your entrepreneurial days and building your stuff that you kind of immediately thought to yourself, wow, this, I can see the scale. I can see the big opportunity. Yeah. And then, and it all comes back to math. Uh, going back to those roads we discussed it, everything you do in your business, your job, whatever you're doing, you attach yourself to an equation. So you want to look at equations that are, have unlimited upside. A job has no upside because you're constrained by whatever the employer is going is willing to pay you. However, in a business, the right business, a sense business is what I call it, you you un, you unveil, you open yourself up to this huge equation with possibilities, and that's what makes the effort even easier because you know you know what if I kick ass at this, I can literally change my life. And to answer your question, I remember when I when I you know first started. Getting the swing of this, this was, I mean, this was a long time ago in the late 90s. You know, back then, $50,000 a year was a lot of money to me. And then I remember starting to see what I was making was just, it was just going up and up and up every single month. It was, you know, $1,900 a month. Then it was $2,800 a month. Then it was $4,600 a month. Then it was ninety eight hundred a month. Then it was fourteen thousand a month. I mean, it just went up and up. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember there was an actual moment. I remember thinking to myself, saying, "There's no limit to this because the equation has no limit." And eventually, that went all the way up to I think my best month back when I owned my internet company was like one hundred and eighty thousand dollars in one month. I mean, that's profit. That's not. You know, oh, I did, you know, revenue. No, I'm talking about after all the bills are paid and what's left in your pocket, it was like 180 grand. And that's when you realize 
this millionaire thing that I have to wait 50 years for for the stock market is bullshit. You can do it quick. I mean, even today when I consider myself semi-retired, I still make five, five and six figures a month. And that's, you know, part time. To quote Dumb and Dumber, the movie, that's a special feeling, Lloyd. <laughs> I'm glad we got that across because I think that's so important for people to, if people haven't had an experience firsthand or known somebody that's had that that scale, things scale that quickly for them, it's important that they surround themselves with people that have had that and to understand how just how quickly things can be built and scaled on the internet. It's not a 20 or 30 year path. It can be uh, an 18 month or a 24 month path if you do it correctly. So thanks a lot for sharing that, MJ. And before we end, I want to dive into your new book. You've already mentioned it a couple of times. I think it's out for sale right now. It's not not pre-order anymore, correct? Yeah, it's it's available now. Yeah. So can you just give us kind of a, a, a summary on that and a, and a brief of what we can look forward to when reading it? Sure. It's called Unscripted, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. It, it really builds on the millionaire fast lane. Some have already called it a prequel. Some have called it it's better than fast lane. It is a bigger book than fast lane, if you believe that, because fast lane was pretty long to begin with. Uh, but it, it's a more holistic approach. It's about it's about how to manage your life, how to lead life instead of life leading you. And the basic essence of it is we are being scripted for mediocrity in society. We are being scripted to be indentured slaves for Monday through Friday for 50 years. We are being scripted into not critically thinking about who is saying what and who is doing what. And I kind of expose all that and then go into the bulk of the book is about entrepreneurship. It's for the person who is has his wants to be an entrepreneur, but just can't figure out how to get started. You know, how do I find that need? How do I find a problem? And, you know, how do I expand it? How do I execute it? It's really for the person who hasn't been able to turn a corner into this this fast lane world we've been discussing. And I literally give a five-step blueprint in there that if you follow, you will have no choice but to find a fast lane. And MJ's done it himself. No better person to listen to or to follow or to take the advice. So MJ, this has been a ton of fun. And please keep us uh, keep us up to date on what you're doing. And more than that, I hope that you continue to produce inspirational material for a very long time. It helps a lot of people out. And I, like I said, I, I definitely think The Millionaire Fast Lane is a top three must read for people starting and kind of considering their career in finances. So I very much look forward to reading your highly anticipated book, which is now out, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. I actually just ordered on Amazon yesterday, getting shipped to my parents' house so that when I leave here in Spain and go back there to change out my clothes and baggage, I will grab that book and read it. Looking forward to it. Is there any uh, plans to make it on audio? Yeah, it should be out early June. And it's going to be you, you again? No, but I did find a narrator who sounded like me. At least, <laughs> at least I thought he did. He was very passionate about the topic. Great. So I thought he did an excellent job. Don't let that scare you if, if you want the audiobook. First week of June. Perfect. Perfect. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get it. We're going, we're actually walking across Ireland for June and we need some new audiobooks. So we'll put that on the list. <laughs> so, MJ, you're the man. Thanks for coming on and sharing this. It's super inspirational and we're looking forward to sharing it with the listeners. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me, man. Man, it was so crazy listening to MJ's voice after listening to the audiobook for hours and hours. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, during the episode when he was going into some of his, you know, 
some of his advice and some of his monologues, I was like, wow, I'm listening to the audio book again. This is great. And, you know, what a great guy and real hustler and definitely still one of my self-made heroes. Yeah, definitely like a – it's like an interactive audio book. I wonder if that's the future. <laughs> wow. You just you just spun my head on something. I love it. Well, so we both read Millionaire Fastlane and I think we've both gone a lot out of this. Mm-hmm. What out of the actual interview? Like, cause, I mean, I would think that Millionaire Fastlane, he really laid out everything that was kind of the basics of his philosophy. But what did you really get from this interview and talking to him now? I think that everyone will take away different things from this episode. And like every single episode, I can I find certain things that are particularly impressionable on me. And everyone finds different things that are particularly impressionable on them. But for this one, it was more about what he was talking about, setting his life up like a vacation. And one thing that I've noticed, especially recently, is that, I mean, you and I have been been in Ireland for a, a couple of weeks. And just getting from Spain to Ireland was like one of the most stressful two to three day stretches of my entire life. There was a whole British Airways conflict and I got trapped in at the airport for you know, 20 hours and, and, uh, they lost my luggage for seven hours. But honestly, I just hate traveling now. I mean, not, I mean, there's certain parts of traveling that I like, but the whole public transit and customs and dealing with airports and checking the constant checking in and planning. I used to love it, but now I'm, I'm so over. And what I really liked what MJ said, it was super grounding that he likes, he's not huge into travel. He likes setting his life up like a vacation, his house up like a resort and just feeling free every single day. And, you know, with us walking across Ireland, now that we're not like doing this, the public transit thing and we're on our own feet every single day, we have the choice every single day of where we're going and, you know, what pace we go. I love it. It feels so free. And I definitely want to start structuring my life a lot more settled, a lot less on the go. And, um, and, cr- and kind of creating a lifestyle that feels much more like a vacation in a couple of places. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I actually remember when I was living in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I had, you know, we were living in that great uh, condo building where I was on one floor, you're on a- another floor, and mm-hmm. we had a great swimming pool, we had a gym, we had a rooftop garden, we were right next to amazing food. And I would go on vacation or make a visa run somewhere else. And whatever hotel room I'd stay in, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, my place is so much better. <laughs> like, it's like being in a hotel suite because I have somebody come in, uh, clean my house every single week. Food is either delivered or just down the street. You know, I have a, like a nice pool. It's, I, and I just thought I've set up my life to be exactly what I want it to be, where I don't even need to look forward to vacation anymore. And I think there's so many people in the world who, their, their houses, their lives are just cluttered, they're stressful. You know, when they're at home, they have responsibilities all the time. And that's why they need, they feel like the need to escape and to go on a vacation. So I definitely took that, that from, from his talk as well. And of course, we read the book. We know about the Lamborghini story. MJ talked about it again. I think a lot of people that reach success, especially at an early age, they have some type of aha moment. MJ saw the Lamborghini, talked to the guy and was like, okay, this is this is the path for me. I need to figure this out. Did you have an aha moment? I know we, t- we had your zero to 300 times X return episode, but what was like the, an aha moment in your life, Johnny? So I wish it would, I wish I was one of those people who, you know, uh, had posters of Ferraris on the wall or something because I do like them, but I don't think that was ever like a big driving factor for me. What's funny mm-hmm. is 
uh, my business mentor, Antoine Creeley, he was just like MJ where he just dreamed about Lamborghinis and that's what really kind of motivated him. But I just never really had that. And also, whenever I would be on a plane, I would walk by business class or first class. I always wanted to ask people what they did for a living just because I was so curious how they got to sit up there and how they got to afford to be able to fly, you know, in these luxurious seats when I had mm-hmm. to go back in the economy. But I was always too scared to do it or I just felt like it wasn't my place to ask. And I think that's one of my biggest regrets because I would have gotten so much more inspiration kind of earlier on if I had just the, you know, the confidence to ask. And now that I'm the one sitting in business class, I wish people would ask me because I would happily tell them I would give them my blog. So I think for me, it, it wasn't until way later. I think I was, it was just a few years ago. So I was already, you know, 32 at the time when a buddy of mine said he was going to go to Europe for the summer. And I, when I asked him why, he said, you know, because it's nice. It's, it's, it's beautiful in the summer. And that was his only reason. And I realized at that point, I could not afford to go there. I could afford to stay in cheap places like Chiang Mai, Thailand, which was already a, you know, a great step. But that was really what made me decide I need to make a lot of money because I want to be able to go to the most expensive places in the world and not really bat an eyelash you know, about the budget. Yeah, it makes sense. The freedom part of it and, and being able to explore those opportunities. And I also really liked what MJ said about the slow lane versus fast lane and that the fast lane is not for anybody, but it's for those who want it. And there's a lot of people that we know and that MJ knows that are in this, the, the quote unquote slow lane. There's nothing wrong with it. It all just comes down to what makes you happy, right? I think the whole human equation is finding happiness and for some people out there, the fast lane is what may make them more happy. And for other people, the stability and the structure, um, it, it just comes down to what you personally want. And there's no one size fit all plan. But I thought it was good to put a little context around fast lane versus slow lane. And no, you know, we've had on a lot of people we had on uh, Todd Treasurer that talked about financial models for investing over the course of 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and retiring and for certain people, that's amazing, right? And to work around those models is great. So I think it's really important to keep things in context. We talk a lot on this podcast about kind of the fire movement, trying to find financial freedom and retiring early as quick as possible. But it's not a one-size-fits-all strategy, and everyone just needs to, to make their own decisions around their comfort and their own happiness. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I like how he said that it's, it's he doesn't look down on his friends who are in the slow slow lane and it's not a bad thing it's you know the the tortoise versus the hare you know where the tortoise could win out the end because usually people in the fast lane entrepreneurs we're taking much bigger gambles so there's not really mm-hmm. any guarantee payoff versus if you have a good paying job especially at a job that you actually enjoy doing and you're stacking away money every single month into index funds you are going to be well off and you're going to retire you know, at a good age and you're going to have a great life. But if you aren't happy doing that or you, you know, strive for something different or, or you're willing to take that gamble, that is when the fast lane kicks in. And I, I love having that as an option. My good friend and previous business partner created this business. And in three years, he's in the third year now, he's put almost every penny that he's ever made, reinvested back into business. It's now doing almost $7 million a month massive business, one of the best-selling beauty products in the world right now. And he's texting me today while I'm at, I'm in, you know, <laughs> I was out for a, a couple pints 
in Ireland after the walk today. And he's texting me, I'm so depressed. I can't be locked in this office anymore. I've reinvested everything. I'm just literally reading you some of the text messages he sent me. Uh, he's got a business that's potentially worth a couple hundred million dollars. And this guy looks like he's aged 10 years in three and he feels like a slave to the business. Now, there's a lot of people out there saying they would, you know, they trade everything to have a business like that and an opportunity like that. And here's a guy that's living in it right now and he feels like he can't escape and he feels trapped to it. So it's really good to have perspective on these these types of things and also to to hear stories of people that have lived through both sides of it. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I would think that most – I would say – I mean, actually, I'm curious. Maybe, maybe you guys can leave a comment in the Boss Lounge under this episode and – you know, say what you would actually prefer because I think a lot of people who listen to investment podcasts or are thinking about retirement or investing are actually the, the ones who would rather be in the slow lane and have something a bit more, I don't want to say guaranteed because nothing really is guaranteed, but at least something that has the foundation of being stable versus mm-hmm. taking these big risks. And I think one of the reasons why we like having guests like MJD Marco on and we like talking to entrepreneurs who had a big windfall or big uh, you know, cash out when mm-hmm. they're selling their business is because first, it's, it's exciting. And I think that's kind of in both your and my personality where we just – it's one of those like – it's just fun to talk about. But in reality, the way we invest, we actually invest in the slow lane. And we're both you – know, most of our money is in index funds. <laughs> it is. And it's it, – and you know what? It's exciting to hear, to hear about these people because it's just not common, Right. James Alter last week was on saying one tenth of, you know, 100 percent of people actually succeed on this type of level. And, you know, I, I think it is a lot less common than it seems. I mean, we always talk about startups, 85 percent of startups fail, but really only like one percent or half of a per- of one percent actually succeed in really creating significant wealth for the people uh, so it's it's not a common thing. So it's really exciting to hear these stories, and it's possible. It's absolutely possible, but it's not for everybody. Uh, so huge thanks to MJ for coming on the show and you know telling the story, telling how he invests. Man, there's there's a lot of cool investment takeaways too. These municipal bonds, really exciting. Something that I have not really looked into. I looked into my Vanguard account right now. I still don't really understand them. Like I think I think I've still lost money on them over the course of three years. So we got to get someone on to talk about municipal bonds and different ways to invest in municipal bonds. Yeah, I definitely agree because I think someone else had brought that up to me as well as mm-hmm. a potential investment uh, strategy. So one thing I wanted to summarize for the people who haven't read MJ's books yet: in the first one, Millionaire Fast Lane, he basically talks about three financial roads. One's called the sidewalk, one's the slow lane, and one's the fast lane. So pretty obviously, we all want to be in the fast lane, but let's first talk about the, the first two just so everyone has a clear idea. Mm-hmm. The sidewalk is living well today at the expense of having more security tomorrow. And I think from what I remember, that's kind of just like balling out, you know, just wasting money today, buying nice cars, um, you know, living in a big house and not really – thinking about the, the future at all. That's kind of that's hood rich, right? Hood rich, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I, I used to be that a little bit that way as well. Luckily, really cl- you know, really quickly I got into the slow lane, uh, which is not the best, but it's better. It's basically sacrificing today so you can have a better off future tomorrow. So basically you are penny pinching, you know, 
living in tiny homes, canceling your Netflix, you know, eating cheap, you know, cooking at home, saving as much money as possible, or even, you know, living in a cheap place like Chiang Mai, Thailand. Mm-hmm. And I know that the, the point of the book is not to stay in the slow lane, but I think for a lot of people, it's actually a great transition from the normal sidewalk life or the, <laughs> the hood rich life uh, or living above your means or keeping up in the Joneses to becoming, you know, super frugal, canceling the Netflix, canceling, um, you know, moving to a, a smaller house and living somewhere cheaper. And that way, first off, you know, you, you just have less bills and less debt in general while you're bootstrapping whatever business or you're saving up money. And then when you get into the fast lane, as long as you don't increase your expenses that much, but you can start, you know, make, uh, start a business that can scale or, uh, find a way where you can just actually make a lot of money in the next three to five years, then it's like a double whammy. Yeah, it makes sense. And getting out of debt, right? It's, that's an important piece of it as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. So if you guys haven't read the book, and especially if you guys don't have that many savings or you feel like maybe you are trying to live hood rich or that you are just focusing all your effort on saving money instead of making more money, definitely read The Millionaire Fast Lane. That's his first book. And while you're at it, you might as well order his, his new book, Unscripted. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I skimmed through uh, the first couple chapters and I, I have a feeling it's gonna, it's gonna be, this one's going to be a hit as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I ordered it. Unfortunately, I got it delivered to Florida. I'm not going back for probably until Christmas. So I'm waiting for it to come out in audio. And then um, it's gonna be part of my Ireland walk. Hopefully it's out in time. Yeah. So that is uh, pretty crazy that (laughs) we are both in Ireland while living the fast lane life. Big, big thank you to MJ DeMarco for coming on the show. Oh, and we have a we have a surprise, don't we? We have a couple giveaways. Yeah. So MJ wants to get this book as many people's hands as possible. So all you guys have to do is share this episode and Sam and I will pick two random people. So what you want to do is share it with your friends or whatever it is, but just tag us, you know, tag our Facebook, which is invest like a boss or tag us on Twitter or wherever you, wherever you share and we'll scour the web. We'll look around and we'll pick two random people and we'll send you a free book, free copy. Actually, MJ is going to send a free book. So it'll oh, be coming directly, for him. directly from MJ himself in Arizona, right to your doorstep. I love but that. You have to be in the US. That was the one condition. Sorry, guys. Oh, no. Outside. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry to all, all of our international listeners. But you guys can share it anyways. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode and you've gotten a lot of value out of it. Also, big thank you to everyone who's, who's been leaving these amazing five-star reviews of the podcast. You guys are the reason why we're able to get these big-name guests like MJ DiMarco. And last week, James Altucher. So who knows who we're going to get next. If you like the show, please, please, please take a minute and leave a review on iTunes. If you don't use a MacBook or an iPhone, just leave a review anywhere or just share. Just tell your friends, help us grow, and we appreciate you guys more than you know. Thank you, guys. See you all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.